Hey, good morning, Munchtropolis. It's now 5 after the hour of 6 a.m. in the big monster city. Come on! Let's get pumped! I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot! What can I say? The camera loves me. Shall we begin? After you, Junior. Hello, Logged It Multiplex. Once again, it is just me. Uh, Tim was attacked by a, a flock of wild geese. Uh, no, that's not it. His internet's just out, and also he's been, like, moving. So, like, good for him. But anyway, uh, not about the internet. Anyway, uh, Jason, you're here. Kirk's here. John's here. We talk space. Jason, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, congrats to Tim for getting the house. Sorry about your internet, but I'm excited to talk about movies. This will be fun. That's fair, Kirk. Space. Space. Nice place. Lots of space. We haven't the time. Or is it the space? John. Space. space. I'm doing good, Boatman. I'm excited to be here like Payson and Kirk to talk about my favorite space movies. That's fair. Well, we'll get started. Um, and we're going to get started with the best movie that you logged this week. Payson, we'll start with you. What's your favorite movie you logged this week? Yeah, uh, I watched this, I want to say, on Thursday. Uh, it was the middle of the night, and I just said, you know what? I'm going to put on Alfred Hitchcock's Strangers on a Train. Holy shit. I loved this movie. Uh, in case you, uh, no one doesn't know, Strangers on a Train is about uh, this one guy. He's a tennis player, and he meets a sketchy guy on a train. And the sketchy guy on a train just straight up comes out and says, uh, I like to try everything once. For example, one day I want to try and uh, kill someone, and I devised the perfect way to do that. And at first he's kind of like, oh, ha, ha, and then as slowly you start seeing, not even slowly, you're like, oh, wait, this guy is completely, uh, like, he absolutely is telling the truth about what he wants to do. And um, he essentially says, hey, why don't we swap these people that we hate in our lives and why don't we just take him out together so that way no one will suspect us? Uh, like most Hitchcock movies, it takes a lot of twists and turns. I think um, the guy who plays Bruno, it's Robert, I want to say, I thought I had the name. Robert Walker, uh, the guy who plays Bruno, so creepy because I, I think John Goodman took a lot of cues from Robert Walker when he was in Barton Fink, where, like, he... Um, he seems like happy and he seems upbeat, but deep down, like not very far from the surface, you can tell, oh, this guy has a lot of things like wrong with him. Um, I think this movie uh, crescendos to an incredible moment in the uh, in the amusement park. Both scenes in the amusement park are like all timers for me. Uh, the score to this movie is incredible. But uh, yeah, if, if you have trust issues, this uh, this is gonna be a movie that uh, ticks pushes all your buttons, but yeah, I really really love Strangers on a Train. No, I, this one's great. This is like fantastic Hitchcockian thriller, and I think Robert Walker is Bruno. Like that's that's the performance because he is he's friendly, but in a way that just feels off, and it's so great. It's it's such like 
just a brilliant it's it's Hitchcocky intention. Like it's it's a top tier Hitchcock. It's fantastic. Kirk, thoughts on Strangers on a Train. Yeah, I know I'm in the minority on this one. I don't think it's bad, but for me, I consider this kind of lesser Hitchcock. Um, you know, when you compare the tension to some other movies in this, you know, compare like the <laughs> North by Northwest or Psycho or Rope or something like that, this one just doesn't hit for me the way the other ones do. Um, like I said, it's still a fun Hitchcock movie. It's just not one of my favorites. Not the top of the list for me. That's fair, John. Um, I haven't seen this one, although I, I do love Alfred Hitchcock and I do love me some trains. So quick maths. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Watch it then. Uh, Kirk, what was your favorite movie you watched this week? This was a tough choice. I've been thinking all day about what I'm going to uh, watch because, or what I'm going to talk about because I watched a lot of good movies this week. And like every time I watch a good movie, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to say on London this week. And I had to like revise it because I kept seeing uh, really good movies. Uh, but I think I'm going to go with I finally watched it on TV. I wish I would got to see it on the big screen, um, but I watched it on Peacock. I watched The Northman for the first time. And. Um, I really love this movie. Uh, I just love, first of all, like the fact that Robert Eggers, you know, who's kind of done so far really small, like claustrophobic movies, the fact that he's able to do action so well um, really surprised me. Um, there's just some really great looking long shots in this lean. The one takes, um, there's a battle scene. It's very reminiscent of the, uh, the battle scene in The Revenant, uh, just like a long, one long big take with a lot of stuff going on. Um, the battle scenes look great. The fight scenes. I love the way, you know, he, this takes place like the, the like old Viking world. It's a very brutal world. I love the way he handles brutality because there's like a lot of awful things going on in this movie, but most of it is like in the periphery. It's like in the background. It's a lot of focus. The camera might, bite, pat, you know, just pass by it real quick. And I just love that he did it that way because it, first of all, it, it keeps you from like glamorizing the violence, but also it, uh, it kind of just shows you like how brutal this world is. Like it doesn't give you time to think about it. It's like, yep, that person was slaughtered. That person was killed. Something horrible happened to that, that, that person. Oh, well, that's just how it is here. And I think I really handled that well. And I just love the story. It's got like some like mythical magical elements to it. There's a named magic sword with magic powers, which is like, I'm in when you give me, give me one of those. Um, so just a lot of cool, like Viking mythology, um, like elevated Shakespearean type language. And a lot of people are talking about like, oh, it rips off Hamlet. Actually, this is the original story that this movie this movie is based on was one of Shakespeare's bases for Hamlet. So Hamlet kind of ripped this off. But um, no, I loved it. I, I thought I would enjoy it. I've liked I've, – well, I've been hit or miss with I really liked Lighthouse. So I thought I would like it, but I didn't think I'd like it nearly as much as I did. That's fair. I have not seen this yet. John, have you seen The Northman? I haven't seen it either, but I'm a big Robert Eggers fan. So Payson? Yeah, I talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, just like Kirk, I absolutely loved it. Uh, the way Eggers films brutality, like Kirk said, is incredible. Uh, there is a scene in this movie that if we want to give Nicole Kidman a Best Supporting Actress Oscar just for one scene, like, she is incredible. It, like, she might have the scene of the year j j um, just for that uh, one part. But, yeah, like, like Kirk said, the, the filming, like, that, uh, one, like, one of the first, like, action scenes you see is incredible. Uh, yeah, I really, really like this movie. That is fair. Uh, well, now we go over to John. John, what was your favorite movie you watched this week? We're really flying through this today. Um, I, I filled in a in a, uh, a big sort of blind spot of mine for the first time. Uh, a movie that I really liked that I watched this week was Dazed and Confused by Richard Linklater. Uh, I watched it for the first time with Spence and with uh, Pinchuk. Um 
Yeah, it's about as good as everybody says it is, or I guess most people on this panel would, would say it is. Um, I'm interested to hear how that goes. But um, yeah, I thought it was really funny. Uh, like, it's like it's a very well-made film, too, and I found it really funny. But I think the thing that I like the most about this, and uh, I don't, like, you know, it's the 1970s. I'm kind of a Zoomer. I guess I don't, I don't feel nostalgic for that. But... I think what's interesting about the film is there's just like, um, and this is generally true of a lot of Linklater's work, is that there's such like sort of an ambient feeling of, of like disillusionment with just like, like the kids are just sort of bored, right? Like everybody in, in the movie is just kind of bored. And so they all just like, like they, <laughs> there's a thing, there's a scene that I think about um, from that film. It's a relatively minor one where like it's towards the end of the film and they're climbing up this tower and somebody just says like, oh yeah, like, you know, some they, they were technically not allowed to do this because somebody fell off like the tower and hit their head a bunch of times on the way down or something and they do it anyway. It's just like, I, I think it's it's interesting to see how like these these sort of like bored teenagers um, are just are just trying to sort of fill their day, fill their time in with something because they're just like, you know, they're just looking for something to do. And I think, I mean, that's definitely true. That's something that you see a lot in Slacker uh, and then I guess sort of to a lesser extent um, in like the before trilogy, um, mm -hmm. there's sort of like a timeless, not, I'm not gonna, I don't want to say timeless because it's not really timeless, but that, there doesn't really feel like a future. It's like very set in the present, right? Um, something I think I like about this one too is that there's a little bit less like of, of that sort of existential sort of philosophizing, I guess that, that that's also in a lot of uh, Linklater movies. That's a little bit, uh, tricky for me to sort of overcome, but like those other films, it's this one's also very emotionally honest, and you know, obviously they're great performances all around. So yeah, yeah. three all rights out of three all rights for me. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, uh, this is one of my all-time top ten favorite movies. I love this film. What I, what I really love about it is the characters, but what I mean that in the sense of I love how we just kind of float back and forth to all these different characters, right? To where if you don't necessarily like or identify with one set, it kind of goes through the entire kind of high school experience, which for a film that's trying to capture the experience of 76, really that it still feels universally, you know, and from a movie from 1993 trying to capture 76. And it's just kind of, I think because it's that kind of decade via another decade, that's almost why it feels so universal. Um, I, really? my favorite parts are Anthony Rapp and uh, Adam Goldberg. I think they're so great. Uh, but like, I think there's a, a lot of really great characters in this one. Uh, yeah. This is, Fantastic film. Uh, Payson. Uh, yeah, uh, vibes, man. Just just vibes. No, this is one of, like, the... I would argue, like, you could say it's one of the coolest movies of all time. Like, you're just hanging out with these guys, and you don't want it to stop, um, even though it's only... You only have, like, a little, like, short runtime with these characters, but every, every like, scene, every occurrence, like, every time these people talk, like, I love the Gilligan's Island uh, scene, where just they're talking about how Gillian's Island is like, oh, this is like the male fantasy. It's like, that's uh, that's really funny. Uh, like Boatman, Mike is hands down my favorite character. Like, just Adam Goldberg just wanted to get back at this asshole that uh, wronged him. It's so funny. But yeah, like, you have Slater, you have Randall Pink Floyd, you have Darla. Like, 
every kid. Oh, Banyan. Like, so many memorable characters in this movie. Ben Affleck is such a perfect, like, douchebag. Um, it just it just brings you back to a time when, like, yeah, like, this, this was us. And, like, I loved, like, early Linklater where, like, he was doing all this smaller stuff before he, like, really tackled time in the way that he does. But... Yeah, this is this is the movie I want to rewatch. I watched it for the first time last year. I gave it four and a half. I can see it hitting a five star. Fair enough. Uh, Kirk, make us all cry. Yeah, um, I've talked about this movie a lot. You can read my my letterbox for you. Pretty much sums up how I feel about it. I'm, I'm all about I'm all about uh, giving credit where credit is due. Uh, we give the guy a hard time. Jack Pinchuk, spot on on this one. Read his letterbox for you. Other other also, uh, totally agree with that guy. Um, I don't like anybody in this movie. Um, I feel the exact opposite of what it does. You know, I feel like there's no one to root fear, no, no one to like. Um, I just don't vibe, no pun intended, with it at all. Um, yeah, not, 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 not a Kirk movie. Uh, yeah, I, I would say the fact that you agree with Jack Pinchuk should maybe tell you yeah, where you're going wrong. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll go over. I love you, Jack. Uh, We'll go over to me. Oh, it's me now. Uh, favorite movie I watched this week. Uh, I'm going with the movie I watched last night. Uh, this is a film from 2021 that kind of went under the radar. Uh, it's a British film. It's called Boiling Point. And what this film is about is essentially the entire film. It's shot in one take. And it basically is just 90 minutes entirely in this restaurant with the head chef whose life is kind of crumbling apart and things at the restaurant are very hectic. And I really love, I, I love the performances in this. Stephen Graham is the star and he's fantastic. And the movie like moves with this very kinetic energy due to it being like a one take movie. Uh, but I just love how the entire restaurant just feels like an organism in this. Like you're seeing while your focus is the chef, the film will kind of go and just follow different characters for a second and see like how, how they're kind of struggling. And I, I just think the whole thing is like really fascinating. Uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. This one didn't get, I didn't really hear people talking about this one, but yeah, this is really good. Payson, have you seen Boiling Point? Uh, I have not, but everything you've been talking about it uh, since you saw it last night has really, really made me want to see it, and it sounds super interesting. Kirk, you see this yet? I, I hadn't even heard of it, um, but I just added it to the watch to the watch list based on your advice. I like, I really like Stephen Graham. I, I'm interested to see him as a as a lead in the movie. So definitely mm -hmm. check this one out. Uh, John, I also haven't seen it. I'm, I'm a little bit. Um, hesitant about like about uh like one take movies uh those i don't always those don't always click with me because oftentimes i find that uh for lack of a better term gimmick a little bit like suffocating but i mean i you've sold it so i'll definitely check it out at some point okay, okay. well i believe that's everyone for favorite movie this week Payson, start us off with the other half of the coin yeah i really wish tim was here tonight so i could have uh yelled at him about a fandom movie but uh but i watched allegiant the other day uh, holy shit. Uh, this movie is a perfect cherry on top of the suckage that is the Divergent trilogy. Um, it's not even fun, Dad. Like, this is, this movie just for the most part is just boring. Like, the majority, all you have is just people flying around in helicopters. 
discussing medicine, which, like, yeah, great job. You make, like, an action trilogy, and that's how you crescendo it. Or I guess this wasn't supposed to be the crescendo. It was supposed to be part one or part three, which the fact that this is the ending is hilarious, I gotta say. Um, Jeff Daniels is wasted as the villain. They bring him in as this overseer. Um, I think the fact that we tried to make Theo James, we didn't even really try to make Theo James a thing, but the fact that this series was like, we're going to put our second main character on the backs of this guy that has no charisma, no personality at all, makes it awful. Um, the editing and the and the CGI in this movie would look outdated in 2002. It looks outdated, obviously, now. Like, this movie is... It, 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 this movie looks like a crocodile shit. It feels like a crocodile shit. Um, the only reason this is not a half-star is because Miles Teller 100% knows what movie he's in and just does not give a shit in the best way possible. Yeah, uh... Allegiant is one that I I think I've seen it. Like that's how bad this movie is. It, like I think I've seen it. It's it's kind of honestly, it's the true definition of almost like a nothing burger of a movie. Yeah. Kirk. Uh yeah, anything? I didn't make it this far. Uh Kathy dragged me to see Divergent and I tapped out after that one. I was all, I was good, so haven't seen this one yet. You know, you make some good life choices sometimes, Kirk. John? Is this the one that takes place in Panem? No, that's the Hunger Games. I was, I was joking. I don't care. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, Kirk, if you're not back, should we... Oh, you're there. Should we go to John while you're... No, I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah. Okay. Hey, everybody. I'm Kirk. Um, I'm the guy that goes sees a big new release over the weekend and then comes on logs on Tuesday to bitch about it. Um, so I think I'm going to have more people agree through they usually do. Uh, worst movie I saw this week was Jurassic World Dominion. Um, I'm glad Tim's not here because uh, I don't have to face him with this. Um, but I have not been a fan of the entire Jurassic World franchise. I just, from the very beginning, just the idea of it and what they're doing to me kind of uh, craps all over, you know, the original movie and everything the movie, original movie was trying to say. Um, this one just completely buries it and is just so bad. There's a scene in this movie. Um, I'll try not to spoil anything, but there you hear that ticking sound that the you know the velociraptors make that noise they make before they're about to attack. You hear that sound, and it's framed in a way where you're supposed to be like, "Oh, good, they're safe." And I'm like, "That's not how Jurassic Park works. Like that. That's not how you're, you you hear that sound." It's your ass. Like that's not how that's that's not how that sound's supposed to make you feel at all. And to me, that just completely encapsulates everything that's wrong with these movies. Um, I just hate the idea of like dinosaurs as pets, and um, as, as as you know, like I said, it, the whole and they bring in Jeff Goldblum, and you figure he'd be like, you know, this is ridiculous that you even tried this. It was so stupid. And they kind of brought Ian Malcolm in to like sign off on everything, which is really disappointing. I hear a lot of people compare this to like Rise of Skywalker, Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic Park. I don't think that's too far off. Um, the and the, the thing is, the dinosaurs look bad. Like the the effects are not good. There's a scene where there's like the dinosaur with like the big spiky back. I don't know what it's called. It's like floating underwater, and you just see the fin, and it literally looks like a bath toy. 
just floated across the water, just like a cheap piece of plastic. <laughs> the wide shots all just are like real obvious wide projection. The the close up, the animatronics are bad. Still, they still haven't gotten as good as ninety three. Um, but it's just an ugly movie. It's too long. There's locusts for some reason. Um, I was not like I, I took I took some kids to see this because they were bored. And they wanted to go see it, and I was like, yeah. And I knew I wasn't gonna like it, but it was it was rough. Uh, yeah, Kirk, apparently big hater of the Flintstones because he hates dinosaurs as pets. <laughs> no, I haven't seen this yet. I have a feeling I will absolutely hate it. Uh, Payson? Yeah, um, pretty much. Okay, uh, the one thing I will touch on, I don't think the I think the effects have looked the best they have, at least in the Jurassic World movies. That is the one thing I might push back on. But everything else Kirk just said is 100% true. Um, as bad as Fallen Kingdom was, the one thing I kind of enjoyed about the ending is it teases, oh shit, the dinosaurs are out, humanity is screwed, look at what happens. No spoilers, because it's the context of the movie, this is not a spoiler. The second this movie opens, it's like, yeah, humanity's doing okay. We're just, so we're just doing the whole same thing again? Like, yeah, dinosaurs and humans are just perfectly happy. Just the dinosaurs are a minor inconvenience at best. Yeah, dinosaurs are like a car crash. Like, like, like a dinosaur attack is just like a car crash in this world. Like, oh, okay, yeah, sometimes that might happen in a blue moon, but who cares? And then the other, th uh, the other major thing I want to say is the um. So, so the girl at the ending of Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, like. Uh, the act that she does in the end by just saying, like, okay, dinosaurs should be allowed to exist. She should become, like, the new Osama Bin Laden of this world. Like, she should be, like, public enemy number one. Every, every, every government, every world government should be, we need to take this little child clone down. Nope, she's just out in this random forest, like, 20 minutes away from civilization. Like, the, the, like... The unsincerity and, like, the way how, like, nothing is taken that seriously in this movie is baffling. The main villain, I won't spoil this, I, I will not spoil who the main villain is, but it would be the equivalent if in Rise of Skywalker they brought back Bib Fortuna and said, this is your main villain, this is the guy you should be popping for. It's insane, I hated this movie, it's lazy, it's stupid, it's a bad movie. And I will say... I appreciate you not spoiling it, Payson, but it's not hard to figure out who the villain is. It's not, but yeah. It's pretty obvious. Please tell me it's Richard Schiff from The Lost World. <laughs> uh, close in relevancy. Uh, but it's not Richard Schiff. It's not Richard Schiff. Aw, Toby Ziegler, West Wing. John? Uh, no, I haven't seen it, uh, but I wish I could join in with the vitriol. It looked like fun. so bad. Yeah, it, it looks bad. I mean, I, I thought it kind of looked bad from the trailer, and I'm not a huge fan of the other two, so, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, so that was everyone on Jurassic World. Now we go to John, your least favorite movie. Yeah, um, my least favorite movie is a movie that, like, could potentially show up on in the next part of the, of the show. So I, I think I'll go with another film that I watched about a week ago. This is not a film I, I disliked per se. It's just one that I liked less. And it's, it's called the sadness by uh, it's a zombie movie called the sadness by Robert Jabaz. Uh, Mike Hanley is in it. Mike, if you're in here, uh, back me up on that one. Um, it's essentially, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the George Romero film, the crazies or, or the remake. It's basically like, it's a pandemic film where, um, you know, there's this virus that makes people, 
go go a little bit insane and and kind of start eating each other. Uh, the film itself isn't like like the plotting, I guess. There, there's sort of a central love story. It, it's not excellent. Uh, what the movie really is for is is uh, it, it takes sort of the violence and the gore and, and and like the zombie sort of frills of of the crazies or whatever zombie movie and like and and like ramps it up by like a thousand. This movie is like extremely. It, it's a lot to take in. There's like a lot of very mean spirited like zombie gore effects in this, um, and and I, I think that's pretty cool. But but otherwise, it's a little bit. It's almost like there's almost like so much. So the first part of the movie, there's a scene in a train where like the outbreak sort of happens, and it's a train car full of people. Oh, this takes place in Taiwan, by the way, the Chinese language film, but. It, it, the, they're in the subway car and the infection starts and, and and by the time this you know pristine white subway car is painted completely red with like you know blood and entrails and, and whatever um and that sounds neat but it actually like it, it it becomes like so much that it's almost kind of like has a deadening effect uh by where the end where you're supposed to have this like huge emotional payoff it doesn't really you don't really feel anything um there's some funny i guess sort of political satire in it but it, it doesn't really balance its tones um, that being said, if you're if you like zombie movies, I, I encourage you to watch it. It's it, it kind of flew under the radar last year, so um, I have not seen this. Jason, have you seen this? Uh, I have not. Kirk, I have not, but John kind of sold me on it. Compared it to Romero and the crazies and all that, that's kind of up my alley. I understand it's not for everybody. Uh, I would temper your temper your expectations a little bit with the okay. Romero comparisons, but if you like zombie movies, you'll probably like this just because it's so like it, it's so kind of extreme compared to a lot of things that have come out recently. I got so, you. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, now we go over to me. My worst movie I watched this week. Nine. Uh, for the record, there are two films in two thousand nine called Nine. This is. The musical, not the sort of Tim Burton-y one that isn't Tim Burton. I was going to hurt you if it was that. So. Okay, no, that's fair. No, it's not that one. Uh, my my best friend from, like, sixth grade would have found me and killed me, probably. <laughs> but anyway, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, nine. Uh, this this movie is not good. It's It's kind of doing, like the Chicago thing. It's very much, it's trying to be Chicago again. It's Rob Marshall just being like, yeah, I made Chicago. I'm just going to do that again with a different musical. Cause it's like, it does the same thing that Chicago does where like the musicals kind of like almost completely change setting. And it's more in like a stage like Chicago does a lot where like we move from what's actually happening to like the stage but it feels way more awkward in this one than it does. But that's like far from the biggest problem. Like the songs just aren't great. That's, that's a big part of it with like a musical. The songs aren't great. And a lot of the performances are bad. Daniel Day Lewis is so wrong for this part. He's, he's really bad here. Um, Day Lewis is bad. You know who's in this movie? Fergie's in this movie. Uh, she's bad. Kate Hudson's bad. It's it's a it, it's a, a lot of miscasting. The one person who actually gets something good out of this is Marion Cotillard. She's great. Um, but yeah, rest of the movie is not great. I, I will also shout out the art direction, and costume design. That that's all good. But like. 
at the end of the day, you're you can put you know shiny glitter on a turd and it's still a turd. Uh, Payson, have you seen this? I have not, but you saying that Day Lewis isn't great in this kind of seems like Halley's comment to the point where I kind of want to see it just so I can see that. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Did you also call it Halley's comment? Is it is it is it not Halley's comment? Is it not pronounced Haley's comment? Then have I been pronouncing oh, it wrong the whole time? I always thought it was Haley's. I'm like 99% sure it's Haley's comment. That might be a. They're in that song. I just saw Haley's comment. Kirk, that's on nine. I have not seen it, but you tell me it's just Chicago all over again. It's all I have to hear. I know to avoid this movie forever. So thank you. That's fair, John. I mean, I love that kind of shit. So, um, but I'm just looking at the I'm looking at the cast here. Like you've mentioned, Daniel Day Lewis and Marion Cotillard, but there's also like Penelope Cruz, Nicole Kidman, Judy Dench, Sophia Loren, like, and then of course Fergie. So I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm sold. <laughs> I don't know. One page. I'm right. On page. Oh, I'm, not, on page. I'm right. It is Halley. You are right. It's pronounced Halley. Yep. It says Halley's or sometimes Haley's. Indication. So, well, but how is it pronounced? Okay, I'll look it up again. <laughs> okay, as the one person who was actually here last time Haley's Comet came around, everybody called it Haley's Comet. Fair. Okay, you know what? I'll just take your word for it. <laughs> All right, that's fair. Anyway, now we get into the actual thing of the show: space. Uh, I'll start us off this time. Uh, I'm going to start us off with. Uh, what all space movies no, no what all movies should be and uh, I think Hollywood took the wrong lesson from this movie the lesson that Hollywood took from this movie is that Duncan Jones is going to be like the next big director no the lesson you should have taken from this movie is that all movies should be Sam Rockwell and only Sam Rockwell <laughs> Uh, but seriously, Moon, I really like Moon. Uh, this is, like, a really great, like, paranoia sci-fi thriller. Uh, just, like, the isolation is great. And if you're gonna give, like, an actor their own, like, castaway movie, right, where it's just, it's them the whole time because they're stranded, Sam Rockwell is a good actor to do that, too, because I love me some Sam Rockwell, so, like, that's great, and kind of where the film goes in terms of his performance if you know the movie a lot of it, it's a really fantastic performance uh he who must not be named is really good as gertie i will say that uh it's like it's a top tier sci-fi movie robot yeah nine is like really fantastic uh uh, yeah, uh, no, Moon is, uh, I saw this movie, like, four years ago, really, really cool, uh, little small sci-fi movie, uh, just like Boat said, it lives and dies on Sam Rockwell, uh, for many reasons, he's the only actor in this movie, but Sam Rockwell completely, uh, sells everything about this, I love what it has to say about, um, mortality and, like, changing like i i love the twists that happens i think are really really cool uh like both said uh duncan jones didn't really turn out to be one of the heroes of cinema we thought he could but right here he truly was a star man with this space oddity if you will 
Uh, yeah. Uh, I just realized what you did, and I'm going to throw you off a roof. Kirk. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just, I've only seen it one time. I got to rewatch it. It was a while ago, and I don't remember a lot of the details. Um, but I know I remember the main story. Rockwell's great, and he's such a good like actor to like put against himself. And just him doing those different versions of himself and him like agitating and like just pestering himself. Uh, he is just the perfect actor for that. So I really love his performance in it. And like I said, it's something I want to watch again soon. Uh, John. Yeah, I, I have kind of a dusty memory of this one too, but I really like it uh, pr primarily because of Sam Rockwell. But also, like, thinking back, it's like kind of a quiet, sort of slower film. And that's cool. Also, like, a cool concept as well. So, yeah, I'm a fan. That's fair. Uh, well, now we go over to uh, Payson, your first pick. Yeah, uh, we talked about one movie uh, where one person is uh, is uh, in space alone. Uh, I'm doing another one. I'm picking The Martian. Uh, I really, really love The Martian. I think it, uh, at the time it was one of Ridley Scott's best movie in years. And I think up till The Last Duel, it was still his best movie since then. Uh, I just think this is a great movie about, like, hope and persevering uh, with, as you just sort of live with Mark Watney throughout the majority of this movie, just seeing him trying to survive on Mars, just growing potatoes, trying to find different ways to communicate. Uh, I also think the stuff on Earth is super underrated with Jeff Daniels and Kristen Wiig. Uh, th this movie has an insane cast. Like, you have them, you have uh, Glover, you have Chastain, you have Michael Pena. Um, I just think this is a really fun movie. Um, I think it's directed super, super well. Uh, when this came out, it was one of my favorite of the Best Picture nominee lineup. Uh, the one annoying thing about this movie is when I did work at a movie theater, a lot of people would come up and ask for one ticket for Bring Me Home. Because if you remember the poster, it literally just said Bring Him Home. And that was kind of stupid. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I really, really love uh, this movie. And I think it's a really fun space movie. Should have... Uh also been playing Les Mis in that theater, and then it's like, bring him home. Uh, anyway, uh, no, The Martian is good. I haven't seen it since, like, 2015, but it, it is really good. It doesn't... I know a lot of people who put this on, like, the top, top pedestal, uh, and, like, this is one of, if not their favorite movie this year. I don't go that far, and by I know people, I mean Thomas Scully and Caleb Coho. I'll just say that, uh, but no, like this is this is good. This is really good. It doesn't. Hey, I. This is what I said to Cody, and he agreed with me. And I, it's how I feel about this movie. This is the MCU's Gravity. It's like Gravity with like an MCU lighter coat of paint. Okay. And that's not a bad thing, but like that's that's what this movie feels like. And yeah, it's good, Kirk. Um, yeah, I like it. It wasn't my favorite of the year, um, but I thought there's some really good moments in it. Um, you know, just the that that idea that that you know, like Payson said, that isolationism and how that affects him and the ups and downs he goes through are fun to watch. And they they do a good job of pacing it with you know the rescue efforts on the ground and going back and forth. Um, so the the movie is like. You know, it, it keeps going, and you're not stuck anywhere at any you know specific point in time. Um, so again, it's it's like I said, it's not something where I'm like, oh, this is a, a movie I love and I need to watch it 50 times. But um, it's it's an enjoyable little romp. That's fair, uh, John. 
Yeah, I really like this one too. Um, like like the rest of the panel, I find um, you know, sort of the movie's exploration of like isolation, especially uh, for that long, to be pretty compelling. But on another level, I just love like movies when to borrow from Mark Watney, like people just science the shit out of things, uh, where there's sort of like that procedural, like okay, let's let's you know, I, I guess we'll talk about that sort of recurring theme a little bit later in the show with with contact but um i, I love sort of procedural stuff like that I, I think it's really um it's really satisfying the book is is basically like that you know on steroids too uh which is also excellent in a very quick read but uh yeah it's very funny um i like pretty much everybody on the cast it's really well directed it's one of my like i don't want to say it's one of my favorite of scott's movies but it's one of my favorite of his most you know recent output although i haven't seen the last duel yet but yeah it's great great pick it's fair okay uh well that's everyone for the martian uh kirk your first pick okay um for my first pick i'm gonna go way back um i think if we're talking about space movies um there's a movie that kind of influenced all of them um and i'm gonna go with 1902's a trip to the moon um it's by our by our definition, it's technically a short, but I mean, in nineteen oh two, it's a feature length. Uh, just watch this. I actually sat down. I realized I'd never like actually watched this beginning to end. Um, I'd seen clips and watched pieces, but I sat down and watched the whole thing. Um, and the fact that I, mean, I did a little research, I was curious, so I looked at nineteen oh two when this movie was made, um, just for context. Nineteen oh two is one year before the White, the Wright brothers made their first flight. It's six years before Henry Ford made the uh, Model T available commercially. Uh, Queen Victoria just died one year previously in England. Um, estimated 50% of Civil War veterans were still alive. J Jules Verne, who is big influence this, he was still alive. Uh, and it's 59 years before the first manned space flight, 67 years before the moon landing. So just give you an idea of how, how they were starting from scratch. Um, not only just creativity, but like technically too. Um, when you see what what they did at that time uh, with the you know the, the 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 special effects, the colored framing, you know the hand colored frames, um, a lot of like early matte painting that blends in surprisingly well. Um, just I talked about this when we talked about um, uh, monster movies and King Kong. I really love early Hollywood practical effects, uh, just because it was basically what can we do. You know, what can we do to take what's in our imaginations and get it on screen? And the fact that they were able to do that at, at that time with so little available to them as far as technology, um, it's it's pretty amazing. And like I said, I think all, you know, science fiction kind of owes its owes a, some kind of debt of gratitude to this movie. And I think just like space exploration in general, I honestly think like if you don't have movies like this and, you know, writers like Jules Verne who are like, putting those ideas out there as silly as it might be in a movie like this i don't think we're honestly you know considering putting a man in space putting a man on the moon so um i think these movies this movie is important and um from like a, just a social aspect but also filmmaking in general um but yeah it's also just a lot of fun uh yeah uh i i've seen this uh for the people who are uh the masochists like myself who like to go through all the best picture winners um, when you get to the worst one around the world in 80 days, the movie literally like sits. And I don't know if this was just a weird thing of like the DVD copy I had, and if maybe the streaming version doesn't do it. But like when you start watching the movie, you don't start with the movie, you start with a trip to the moon. 
like, which is odd, but like, it's better than around the world these days. Uh, no, this is good. Uh, I also um, associate this with two other things. I associate this with Hugo, sure. uh, which is kind of where I first had an interaction with it. I also associate this with the music video to the Smashing Pumpkins song, Tonight, Tonight, Tonight. Uh, but yeah, this is, or Tonight, Tonight, whatever that one's called. Like, you know, the, the, the Tonight one of Smashing Pumpkins. They don't have others. Anyway. Uh, this is this is good, John. Yeah, um, I really, I really like this too. Um, you know, the milieu, like like Kirk said, like with, with with silent film, especially really early silent film, just at the beginning of the twentieth century, right? Like you can't move the camera; it's just like so big, right? And and it's so like what i'm trying to say is like you need and and this is articulated pretty well in, in hugo is that like because you can't move the camera there is like you need to be in like with that stationary camera you need to be inventive with with you know your, your mise-en-scene and i think this movie is able to just you know capture that sort of adventurous spirit uh at the time like it, it is really beautiful it is a really beautiful film i know that maybe sounds a little bit pretentious to talk about like a very early silent film in that way but like um kirk i don't know if you've seen like ha uh, i think recently they, they not not when i say recently like within the last five years or something like that they they like re, re like recolorized it like like you know how like they were colored in and 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 yeah they they like retinted it or whatever and i remember watching it in, in class and just like an intro to cinema class because you know it's just something that you watch and something like that. And yeah, it's, it's really gorgeous, you know? And yeah, it, every, every, you know, science fiction film is indebted to it. And it's great. I agree. Uh, Payson. Yeah. Uh, like Bowman, I was also introduced to this movie through uh, Hugo, but yeah, this movie is, it's just a lot of fun. Like, I just think this is a really inspired choice from Kirk. Uh, just seeing those people like go up to that moon. Moon's got a funny face. It's like Majora's Mask. Ninety-eight years later, it's a it's a really fun movie. Of but course, Payson found a way to reference the Legend of Zelda Majora. Of course, Payson <laughs> found. A way. We all thought it when we saw it. No. Oh, no, we didn't. Okay, fair. Okay. <laughs> and Majora's Mask, my favorite Zelda game. Oh, anyway. It's okay. Uh, now we go over to John. Yeah, so my pick is going to be um, kind of a smaller, uh, I think 2018 or 2017 film called Prospect, um, starring uh, Pedro Pascal. This came out, yeah, let me double check, let me, just so that I can say that. I'm looking up when it came out, so you don't have to do that. Yeah, anyway, so uh, this film is uh, sort of low-budget indie, indie picture uh, where... You have this young girl and her father. They're, they're kind of like miners, and they land on this very uh, sort of like toxic moon to extract some kind of mineral resource, uh, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, things go wrong. This, this job that they do, their are complications. The, the father dies. That, that happens relatively early. And this little girl, um, this little girl, she's like a teenager, uh, you know, ends up teaming up with Pedro Pascal, and they, and they kind of travel across this planet trying to... Uh, complete complete this job the, the girl and her father have been hired by sort of like mer like a mercenary like mining they've been contracted to, to mine this huge uh this huge like 
collection of this of this resource that would you know result in them earning a fortune uh and yeah after the father dies pedro pascal and the girl they just sort of walk around this uh, rock around this moon trying to uh survive to mine this you know to mine this treasure and to and to find their way off the planet um it's a very simple story the thing that i like about it a lot is that it it feels very much like uh like almost like a western um just the way that everything looks so kind of dusty and analog. And I really like that a lot. And also the, I think the thing to take away from this is definitely like the screenplay and how some of the dialogue is written because it, it's like very like chewy, like the closest comparison I could maybe think of is like Deadwood or like a Craig Zoller movie, kind of like, like the way that they speak in Bone Tomahawk where it's a little bit like loquacious and there's a lot to chew on there. And when Pedro Pascal does it, I mean, it's, it's really, you know, it's very satisfying. Um, the movie kind of throws you in like there's very little exposition you know they're on this lander they're landing on this moon and when they you know when the movie tries to tell you like what this resource is it, it kind of sort of sounds like well first you need to take the flip flab and put the jim jam and the wing wong so that you can so that you can put the schleem on the on the bling blong but like once yeah. you sort of get past that um sort of like because they don't tell you anything they don't really set up the rules of the world. they just start saying words um, it turns into this really great, like, to, to this really great sort of like adventure yeah. movie. Uh, hmm. I, I guess yeah. I don't want to go over them, so I'll, I'll leave it at that. It's very good. They're great, excellent performances, too. Fair. Uh, Payson, have you seen this? Uh, I have not, but this sounds really, really interesting, so I definitely want to check it out. Yeah, Kirk? Uh, yeah, same. Uh, I never heard of it before, but it does sound pretty good. It's like um, the Mandalorian. It's like if you want the Mandalorian, but like a more sort of analog vibe to it, then I definitely recommend. And less Lupshido. Lupshido, like Disney Star Wars stuff. Fair. Uh, anyway, I haven't seen this either. Uh, so now we get to my next pick. And I'm going to go with. Yeah, I think I will go with a movie that. Technically speaking, is a space movie. There's a lot of spaceness in it, uh, but it's also a comedy. I'm going with Galaxy Quest. We got double the Rockwell. We got double the Rockwell tonight. Uh, I, I love Galaxy Quest. Uh, this is just this is my favorite spoof movie because it's a spoof movie that doesn't even feel like a spoof movie. Because, like, clearly it's, like, parodying Star Wars, or Star Trek, well, bleh, Star Trek. But, like, at the same time, these characters feel so fully realized as, like, people that it works, right? And the, the jokes around them are great, but also, like, their actual journeys as characters still feels fully flesh, making the comedy funnier. Tim Allen is, like, such, like, a perfect Shatner. Like, he, he really is. Like, he's got everything down. But it's never, like, a parody of Shatner's mannerisms. But he's just got that attitude of being smug and egotistical while also, like, that charm behind there. And it's great. Sigourney Weaver's very funny in this. Oh, man. Alan Rickman gets so many laughs in this because he just does not want to be there. Like... <laughs> I think of Alan Rickman when I like think of any like prestigious actor forced into like these big budget sci-fi series or movies. Like 
poor Glenn Close. Just I, I think that whenever anyone is in these types of movies, that's who I think of. And then, come on. You didn't think I was going to bring up one of my favorite comedic performances in Sam Rockwell as Guy Fleetman. Like, just the concept of what if a character who, like, uh, an extra death fodder red shirt knew what a red shirt was and that he was probably going to die. Like, that's just such a brilliant concept. He's basically like if the orange M&M were a person. Actually, no, I'm like if the orange M&M were a person. Sam Rockwell is in this is just, he's playing me. He's playing the pants. <laughs> anyway, uh, Payson, thoughts on Galaxy Quest? This is a big comedy blind spot for me. Uh, everyone tells me I would love it and I really want to watch it, but I just have not gotten to it. But I hope to get to it soon. You definitely should. Uh, Kirk? Uh, no, this is the kind of parody that works. Um, I've talked before about how, like, parody that's like just, hey, remember this thing? Now we're doing it. It's funny because we're redoing it. Um, that is like the worst possible type of humor. But this parody works because what they do is they just take the archetypes of the characters both on screen and the actors that we all know and kind of build off those and make something new but something we still recognize what it's about um, but it's still original there's still like real characters real people in there um so yeah i think that's that, that's pretty good um i don't i know like you but a lot of people are real super high on this movie i don't love it as much as everybody else does but i think it's pretty solid john i haven't seen it recently this was in my childhood rotation um and uh I, I saw. I, I figured this was going to come up today, so I, I was rewatching like a couple scenes. Um, All-time cast, obviously, and um, so I miss Alan Rickman very much. Uh, and I think it's very funny that Tim Allen has, or it's rather Sigourney Weaver, <laughs> Sigourney Weaver has to kiss Tim Allen. I think that's very funny. Um, just <laughs> it's an unfortunate Freudian slip. Um, one thing, just to add to, just to say something that hasn't been said already, is that. Um, Watching some you of said clips. a lot of things that have <laughs> watching some clips that that were um, just on YouTube, um, just to sort of remind myself of what this movie's about. Um, like this movie looks really good. I mean, like it has you know practical effects and CG that you know at the time, uh, you know, considering that this was made what 20, 20 something years ago. I mean, it looks really good. Uh, and yeah, nineteen ninety nine. So there was another like big science fiction movie that came out that year that looks like shit. And uh, I think you know what I'm talking about. So, you know, good on Galaxy Quest for, for looking pretty good in that regard. So, I mean, yeah. you gave that movie three stars. So, what are you talking about? Um, I mean, okay, but like, sure, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I stop John's letterbox sometimes. Anyway, now uh, we go over to Payson. Yeah. I could go a couple ways, but I kind of want to go in a more fun way. Okay. Uh, I'm going with a childhood favorite. Okay. I'm going with uh, John Favreau's underrated family film, Zathura. <laughs> uh, all respect to uh, fans of the original Jumanji, I prefer Zathura. Uh, Zathura is essentially about these two brothers, don't have the greatest relationship in the world. The one brother's kind of mean to the younger brother. The younger brother just wants to play some video games. The older brother's like, hey, I'm going to be mean to you because I can play football and I have a girlfriend, even though he's like in fucking elementary school and shit. Uh, we find a board game. And um, and this board game 
Uh, it's essentially like Space Jumanji. That, that, that is the best way to describe this. Uh, first thing that happens, they get the card, and it just says, uh, they, they roll the dice, a card comes out, and he says, Meteor Shower, take evasive action. Like, okay, nothing's going to happen. Meteors start coming down on this, on this house. It's awesome. Okay, uh, eventually they're in space. Uh, this one astronaut, I believe played by Dak Shepard, shows up. And uh, there, there's a lot of heartfelt stuff to that. Early Kristen Stewart uh, is in there as the, uh, as the as the douchebag older sister. But she's really, really funny as well. Yeah, this movie just, it has a lot of, like, childhood wonder. Like, it's just, like, these these very young people just in these very, very, like, scary situations. Like, uh, slight spoilers, but at one point, these, like, carnivorous aliens take aboard the ship. And suddenly everything is, like, way more serious than, than uh, it was because these aliens are, like, um, invading the ship. And I honestly just think it's a really heartfelt movie, like, especially when you take into account uh, Dak Shepard's character as the astronaut. A twist comes into that that uh, relates it, and I don't want to spoil anything. But, uh, yeah, I honestly think this movie holds up. I watched it a few years ago, and I was like, this movie, I still quite enjoy it. That's fair. Uh, yeah, uh, I... I've, I've seen this. I have seen it. But my main memory of this movie is not really the movie. It's that trailer. Which is legitimately a really good trailer. Because it basically is just the take evasive action meteor shower scene. Mm -hmm. And like, it's it's a really good trailer. Uh, yeah, it's it's basically just 2000s Jumanji. Like, honestly, yeah. if you like Jumanji, it's, it doesn't have Robin Williams, which is, like, I think the one thing that, like, Jumanji is really great because you have the comedy, but if you still, if you like the concept of Jumanji and you're okay with the sci-fi setting for it, yeah, it's fun. Uh, Kirk, you ever see the thorough? I have not. I have it on my watch list. It's been, like, floating towards the top of my HBO watch list. I just haven't got to it yet because, uh, I just I, I'm interested in seeing like early Favreau, more early Favreau, just see what he was doing. Um, but the way it plays, I'm not a huge fan of Jumanji, but I think space is more fun than jungles. So if it's just space Jumanji, I'll probably like it better. That's fair, John. Uh, I mean, I, I've seen it somewhat recently. I sure. I I, I mean, I, I like it. It's Jumanji in space. Uh, I'm I'm pretty much sold at that point. The only thing that I really remember is is the take evasive action scene with you guys, and uh, I, I I also liked that as a kid. And uh, no, I also remember like the wormhole joke, like the, you, you know you, I fit through something like this big. That's like the other wormhole, like ye big, yeah, yeah. ye big or whatever. Um, so that's pretty funny, I guess, in hindsight. But yeah, that's fair. Uh, Kirk, now we go to your first pick or second pick, whatever. Okay. Um, I'm also going to go with a nostalgic childhood favorite. Um, obviously, my childhood goes for a little further back. Um, this is a movie that was on HBO like constantly when I was a kid, and I remember watching it probably 50 times. Um, it's Enemy Mine. Um, it's not a great movie. I don't think I have this spread too high on Letterboxd because I understand it's like, objectively not great, but I just have a lot of great memories to watch this. Um, it is um, Lewis Gossett Jr. and who's the human in it? Uh, Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Uh, Dennis Quaid, just like this. It's, there's a lot of like political subtext, like the the humans are at war with the aliens, 
and the the humans are basically just like obnoxious americans like stand-ins for like obnoxious americans and um you know dennis quaid personifies that he's loud annoying and uh he and lewis god jr who plays the enemy uh, alien uh they crash land on this planet and of course first they're trying to kill each other uh but they're forced to come together to like try to survive um and it's just a lot of fun uh their their performances are both really good uh they have really good chemistry uh Lewis got you completely unrecognizable in makeup. He's doing like an alien accent. Um, but they're both really good to get a lot of fun and just kind of like uh, the alien is like kind of like wise and like understanding and Dennis Quaid kind of has to catch up to him and what they're doing. But um, it starts out like just like with a lot of like it's real super low budget. Like if you like like cheesy low budget 80s stuff, you'll like this because it's just like the sets are especially like the spaceship sets are basically you tell it's like a room and they set a computer in it. And it's like that's supposed to be the cockpit of the ship. Um, the stuff of the planet looks a little better, um, but not much. Uh, there's kind of like a generic Sarlacc pit they have to fight. Um but then they like come together and they have like this real nice relationship and I won't spoil, but like they kind of become like a family and things go from there. So it's something I have, I honestly haven't watched this in a really long time, but I just have a lot of fun childhood memories from watching this. That's fair. Uh, I have not seen this. John, have you seen this? No, I have not. Uh, Payson? I have not, but I've seen it while browsing HBO Max and the poster always looked really cool and I've always been like, I want to see that. I do want to see this. Yeah. Uh, John? Now over to you. Yeah, uh, I'll go with uh, another indie, you know, kind of indie pick. You may have heard of it. It's called 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> uh, I was kind of surprised this hadn't come up already, so I had another one planned. But um, Yeah, this, I mean, I this is one of my favorite movies ever. It probably just is my favorite film. That, that label gets sort of mixed up a little bit, but... Um, I think every – I was a little bit hesitant to bring this up because I, I I don't really think that I can do justice, like the movie justice as to sort of what it means to me, I guess. Um, like this is the first movie that I watched. I, I watched this when I was maybe 12. For the, 12 and, I, and I think I could say that this, this movie probably was the one that sort of – got me sort of interested in film as an art form. I think Kubrick in general is just one of those directors that sort of just makes you consider that like, oh, wow, film can really do this. Um, and, and this movie in particular, because of how the storytelling is so sort of un, 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 unconventional, um, you know, it really forces like somebody like me to, you know, at the time to really pay attention to like the visual storytelling uh, instead. And of course, Stanley Kubrick is 2001. It's, it's pretty masterful. Um, you know, I could speak to to sort of the the underlying theme of the movie, evolution, uh, man's relationship with technology, or or just like man and sort of man's ancestors and man's, you know, future, you know, star baby progeny, their their relationship to technology and how that sort of intersects with with human evolution. But uh, I, I just think the movie is sort of important to me just because it's because it's yeah because because of that sort of singular experience I had watching it for the first time and, and several times, probably at least a dozen times since, um, you know, that really captures sort of movie magic. I love, I love the practical effects of it. That's, that's one thing. And, um, you know, when you're 12 years old and you're just kind of watching, you know, little models, you know, sort of float by as Strauss plays in the background, like you, you don't really know how to react to that. Uh, I guess with time I've, I've sort of come to, to appreciate, to appreciate that and what that means. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm more, frankly, more interested to hear what you guys had to think of it. But yeah, it's one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, easy, 
and I could talk about this for, for hours. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I really, I really like parts of this movie. And I just, I feel like a lot of this movie is just, it's a little bit, you know, kind of, oh, look at this, or, you know, just kind of, oh, bask. And I'm just like, can we move on? I get it. The pen's floating. Like there's there's a point where I'm just like, can can we keep going? Um, and I get that's not the point, but that's not really what I want. Um, but once once the like movie actually kicks in, I do like it. But I just it takes a while for like the movie to kick in. But I understand people really see like the artistry of it and. I don't know. I, I almost feel stupid for not appreciating this one as much as I do. Uh, so, Pace? Yeah, I talked about this movie uh, the last time we were on for movies you wish you uh, saw in theaters. And, yeah, just like John said, I think this movie is incredible. I do think it is, like, it it, it, it is proof that, that films are art to me. Like, I, I really do like the uh, way Kubrick films this. I like the visual storytelling. Um, I'll admit, just like both, there are certain points where I'm kind of like, okay, we can go. But like for me, like the last 30 minutes, like completely salvaged. Like I think those last 30 minutes are some of the greatest in like movie history. Um, everything with Hal and uh, Dave and I, and I forget the other human is incredible. It really makes you feel like how like scary space can be and like how alone and just like, one of my favorite movie moments ever is when they go into the pod to try and like have a secret conversation um, from Hal. And then you just get the shot of Hal just like reading their lips. Like he could hear it. And the perfect thing is that is immediately where it goes into intermission. So it just leaves you there. No, I think, I think that is a really, I think this is a really, really great movie. Yeah. Uh, Kirk. Um, I think I'm more probably in the same boat as you, Boatman. Uh, I've I've only seen it once. I've seen it relatively recently, the past couple of years, um, and I got to see it on the big screen for the first time, which really helped. I really enjoyed that. Um, and I do see, like you know, like Melissa said, like this really a movie is definitely a piece of art. I recognize that. And I respect it for it. Um, but I, as I'm watching, like as much as like the music and everything is nice, part of me is like, can we just assume all the ships landed safely and, and move on to the next thing? Um, so there's there's kind of like that back and forth. You know, maybe if I'm in a mood sometimes, just like really sit down and watch like visual things happen. Um, that's, that's cool. And, and Payson's right. Like that third act with, with hell and everything going on is really tense. Like it's kind of it's like his own cool little movie. Um, so I'm, I'm on, I go back and forth on it. Like I, I definitely respect it, um, but it's not something I'm just going to pop in leisurely and watch just to, just, just, just to watch. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so now we go over to, uh, Payson, I think, because there was that. Yeah, because, John, that was your fourth, second pick. So, yeah, Payson. No, 100%. Uh, this is one that, like, it came out a few years ago, but seems to kind of be forgotten, which I kind of get because it is so artsy. It's a, it's a film called High Life. Um, essentially, yeah, John, John really likes it. Um, uh, this is a super, super weird movie, but I really enjoy it. Uh, it's by Claire Denis. Uh, essentially, it's about this. Uh, it's it, it's about the space prison, and essentially how like prisoners in the future are sent to go up to the space colony, and they're just supposed to like farm 
and create life. Uh, the main character is played by Robert Pattinson. He's one of the first prisoners. Um, Juliet Binoche is in this. She's really great as like the warden. Um, uh, Andre 3000 has a really cool role. But uh, that's only like the first half. Yeah, yeah. Andre 3000 just straight up just shows up, and it's and it's pretty cool. Um, uh, that's like the first half is just these prisoners on the ship, just sort of like sort of being like a slave to like the um, their society. But the second half is even farther in the future, where Robert Pattinson is just floating around in space with his daughter, played by a very young Mia Goth. And um, yeah, it's just sort of like this like. Um, um, essay on like what human life is, how we can preserve it, like what to do. I definitely think, uh, not quite, but someone else in this movie does. Uh, yeah, that, that is all I will say. Um, search up High Life uh, Fuckbox, if you will. But um, uh, if, if, if you've seen it, you know what I uh, mean. But yeah, this movie's not going to be for everyone. I could totally see someone hating this movie, but I really, really dug what this movie was getting at. Uh, that's fair. Uh, I have not seen this. Kirk, have you seen this? I have seen it, um, and it's been a while. I think I saw it around when it first came out. Um, and yeah, I think it's good. Like it just really like like paints that kind of like just has a view of like life and what life's all about. Uh, his relationship with the girls really good. I think this is the first. Th- Did this come out before Good Time? Uh, no, Good Time came out before. I think I saw this before Good Time though, because this is the first thing I've ever seen Rob Pattinson. And I'm like, okay, he's not just the guy from Twilight. He actually has. You know he has something going on, so um, no, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, uh, John. Yeah, I I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to. Uh, if you I really I really really like this film. Um, Claire Denise is is sort of known for having like these, um, like her other films, or at least the ones that I've seen or partially seen, are like very textured. And I wasn't really sure how this was going to go since this one takes place in space. The environments are like very artificial. But uh, this one also sort of scratches a niche, kind of like Prospect. Those films are not like similar in, in most ways, besides the fact that they take place in space and are a little bit indie. But there is sort of like an analog texture there that I really, really like. Um, I don't want to spoil what happens, because I think a lot of the stuff that happens in the movie is, is very, very interesting. Uh, but just, <laughs> I think a lot of people get hung up on the fuck box part uh, and, you know, the other sort of like, bodily fluid stuff. I mean, you just look at the front page of Letterboxd and you'll see all kinds of, you know, grass puns and whatever. But like, I think, I think people tend to overshadow like what, like what Kirk said, that, that there's a, there is a very sort of moving like parent relationship at the movie's core, or at least sort of how the flashback or flash forward structure works. And I think it's very, very moving. And it's uh, in what's a relatively austere film. I've seen a lot of reviews where this film is is sort of like characterized as a masculine or a feminine rebuttal to 2001, which is you know a little bit of a masculine film. And I think if it, that, that that's what I read going into it, and I think that's a really interesting way to to, to sort of conceive, uh, no pun intended, of 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 the film as you, as you go in. So yeah, it's great. A boatman, it is definitely a boatman movie. You should watch it. With no, it's not. No, it's not. You. It is absolutely you. not. I will tell you this right now. It is it's not a great date movie, like like last time. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's it for high life. John, take us home. Uh, well, I was gonna do high life, so let me see. Um, you know, okay, I'll go with another one. Let's. Uh, we talked about two thousand one, but I think in a movie that's a little bit underrated is two thousand ten. Uh, the sequel to 2001 by uh, esteemed director, is it John Hyams or Peter Hyams? Which one is it? 
I can't remember. Have any of you seen this before? No. Okay. God, barely. Yeah. So uh, 2001, we talked about it before. It's this very, uh, you know, sort of grandiose, uh, like very sort of profound, for lack of a better term, like cinematic experience, right? It's like all about sort of the senses and uh, there's a lot of visual ter- a lot of visual storytelling. You're, you're not spoon-fed information, and so uh, you know Stanley Kubrick. He, he has a certain you know film pedigree behind him. Uh, you know, 30 years later, you give you give you hand the director reins over to Peter Hyams. Uh, you know, the director of Time Cop, I believe. And uh, this movie is actually really great because whereas Kubrick's movie is is you know kind of thoughtful, this one is very like procedural. And again, that, 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 that's something that I sort of gravitate to uh, in film. It has a great cast. Um, John Lithgow. Uh, hold on. I'm blinking. Uh, hold on. Roy Scheider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, hold on, let me pull up the cast list here. Roy Scheider, Helen Mirren. Um, it's basically about like, okay, so 2001 happened. Now, uh, t- nine years later, we're going to go figure out what happened. So they send sort of a, a, a team of of us and and soviet astronauts to go to go figure out what happens uh and uh this one i guess sort of feels a little bit more if any of you have actually read like arthur c clark this one nails sort of that tone and sort of his uh voice a little bit better i think but yeah I, this movie is is very good like it, it seems like a very stupid thing to do with film but uh to make a sequel to 2001 but um I, I really like this movie a lot and, and sort of the directions it takes with, with the story of the star baby and everything else. And, um, you know, another one of those movies like Dr. Sleep, where it's like a Kubrick uh, sequel that you don't think will work, but does very much so. So, yeah, I like this one. Uh, that is fair. Uh, yeah, I have not seen this. Payson, have you seen this? I always hear this movie and The French Connection 2 put up in like the same conversation where like once you realize that it's not gonna touch the first one you actually get to enjoy a pretty solid movie so yes. that's what i hear that's fair uh kirk i know my parents took me to see this when i was real young and i have like flashes or took me with them i should say and i have flashes of memories of the movie and i always thought it was 2001 so when i saw 2001 i kept right, waiting for roy scheider to show up and he never did and <laughs> it took me while to figure out what was happening uh, that is fair. Well, uh, that's it for space movies. Just to recap, movies that we brought up, Moon, The Martian, Trip to the Moon, Prospect, Galaxy Quest, Zathura, Enemy Mind, 2001, A Space Odyssey, High Life, and 2010, The Year We Make Contact. But before we go, we've got one last thing to talk about. Movie of the Month, Contact, also a space movie. Honestly, like we definitely could have brought it up because, in my opinion, it's great. I'll start off because I haven't talked about it yet. I like the heck out of Contact. Contact's fantastic. I really like, you know, the the way it blends, you know, the the kind of sci-fi aspects with the question of faith. I think that's really interesting. I also just think that Arrival kind of ripped this movie off. Like, not like in a rip-rip-off way, but... As I said, contact contact walked so a rival could run. Like it's a lot of the same type of cerebral sci-fi, but this movie also just looks really good. Like Zemeckis is a great director, and he he shoots like the stuff on the ground really well. The cast is great. James Woods is 
a douchebag in this, and he's great. Uh, John Hurt is really good in this. Uh, William Fickner. I was surprised. Like, I was actually really blown away by William Fickner in this. He's great. And Jodie Foster's good. Uh, yeah, I, I thought this movie was really fascinating. Uh, I'd give it four out of five stars. Payson? I adore this film. Uh, this is the type of movie I wish we had more of today, where it is a big studio movie that is just tackling these huge, huge ideas of, like, this movie is about can the idea of science and religion coexist? And I think that's what kind of makes the movie so beautiful. Um, yeah, first off, just incredible, incredible cast. Uh, I think, personally for me, I think McConaughey might be the standout. At least his character, I definitely think uh, the character that he plays is definitely the, uh, the heart of the movie, if you will. Um, but I think the way how him and Ellie, which is Jodie Foster's character, sort of bounce off each other is incredible. Um, James Wood is such a good ass asshole. Um, it's so funny. Uh, there's this really weird guy that shows up, and I'm like, that guy kind of looks like Gary Busey. Uh, I, I hit the Amazon button. I'm like, oh, shit, it's his son. And so I thought that was really cool. Uh, yeah, like we said, uh, this may be some of Zemeckis' best work as a director. Like, I think the way how uh, the death scene um, of her father is filmed is incredible. Um, I think the uh, when you go through, like, I guess the home of the aliens, just the way how that is, is just beautiful. And that final court scene. If that does not pull at your heartstrings and just make you believe, then I I, I just don't know. Like, I think this movie, this movie made me just feel good about, like, humanity in a way, which can sometimes be hard to do, but dang, I really love this movie. Yeah, uh, Kirk? Four and a half. Uh, oh, four, four and, and a half. half. Thank you, Jason. I haven't watched yet. Uh, I'll oh, be back fair. next week. So I'll be back next week, so I'll talk about it then. All right, thank you, Kirk. John? Yeah, I mean, I'll second the both of you. I, I really, I, I did enjoy this film quite a bit uh, when I watched it. Um, they're like, I don't know, maybe maybe it's just me, but it feels like there aren't a ton of movies, like big science fiction movies like this, that are so like emotionally honest, right? Like this movie is about like, so it has all of like the fun procedural stuff that I like. Like, you know, you have characters that science the shit out of it. Also, Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey, man. Those guys, they're so great in this. I think they're really great. James Wood as well. Like, I, they're all good, John Hurt. But, um, like, I like all the procedural bits, but like this movie also is just like, it, like it's sentimental, but not in a bad way at all. Like, there is a sentimentality to it that makes that, that makes the movie better. Uh, it makes the movie longer, but it, I don't think it makes the movie, you know, worse. Uh, it, it's just like, I don't know if I if I was going to compare it to like maybe Arrival or Interstellar. Like those are the only you know science fiction movies like that that that, that still make those wild swings for sort of melodrama. Um, that mirror scene, um, the, the the death scene. I mean, that's probably my favorite like scene in a in a Zemeckis movie, sort of just period. And um, when <laughs> when they're when they're analyzing that. Uh, that trans that first transmission and you see the swastika like I, I don't know that that just felt like a very like scary moment in film like just the way that that was all sort of put together um yeah Carl Sagan's my homeboy I love him I loved I, I watched Co Cosmos at home uh, when I was a kid over and over again and um I, I guess that sort of prepared me for like 
because this this movie is very much in conversation with like his other uh with a lot of his other writing because it's very like there, there's philosophizing to it you know it's trying to sort of make sense of your place in this universe and and again yeah it, it sort of combines like thinking about science and thinking about religion and spirituality and yeah i i liked it <laughs> i don't know I'll, I'll, in as many words I, I i enjoyed this film a lot and i'd probably give it four stars i don't know four stars okay well thank you john Thank you, Kirk. Thank you, Payson. Thank you, everyone at home, for watching. This has been Multiplex Logged It. See you later. In case I don't see ya. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good evening.